2: Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, 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 hey friends, welcome to episode number 288. How fun is that? Some of you guys have listened to every single one of these episodes, and I am so thankful for you. Also, funny thing is, in the episode today, I tell Jenny that it's episode number 238. I knew I'd messed up. I was 50 off, you guys. So, if this is your first time here, I want to say welcome. You're in for a great show. If this is your 288th show to listen to, I want to say thank you so much for listening every single week. So, back in 2014, Jenny Allen, who's on the show today, joined me and she was podcast guest number 12. Yes, number 12. In fact, we giggle about uh, how I thought that show went, number 12, but I'm so thankful she joined me back. And I cannot believe it's taken her this long. I love Jenny so much. Jenny Allen is a real life friend who is also the founder and the visionary behind If Gathering. She's an incredible author and speaker, wife, mama to four kids, and recently wrote Get Out of Your Head, stopping the spiral of toxic thoughts. I love any time I get to spend with Jenny. And this conversation feels especially important because we're all in a spiritual battle right now, whether we know it or not. And rather than ignoring it or letting our minds spiral, Jenny is sharing with us how we can work with God to renew our minds and escape our toxic thought patterns. Before we talk with Jenny, I want to share that over on my webpage in my store, we're having a big sale, you guys. Go to jamieivy.com store, and we're running a spring cleaning sale. We're making room for some new killer merch that's coming later this spring. So all of our hoodies and sweatshirts are 40% off. This includes our very, like, hands down, most popular thing we've ever sold, the Be Kind camo shirts. They're 40% off right now. And our newest hoodie that we have that's pink and comfy, and you just want to stay in it forever, and it says Together is Better on it, that's also on sale. No code is needed. Just visit jamieivy.com store. Okay, friends, here's my conversation with my friend, Jenny Allen. Hey, Jenny Allen. Welcome to the happy hour. Well, it is good to be here, Jamie Ivey. Do you want me to tell you a fun fact? Tell me. The last time you were on the happy hour was episode number 12. Really? Has yeah. it been that long? Yeah. I think you did a half hour, but we're not counting those, but was episode number 12. And this is, I'm going to mess up my numbers, but I think it's like 238, 239. It has
1: been that long?
2: I cannot believe it. So you are episode number 12 and people tell me all the time that they go back and listen to the beginning. And I'm like, just skip everything till you get to 50. I mean, like I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just working no, this out. it was so good. But I remember, the reason I remember your show so much is because, you know, I, I worked in radio before yeah. for like a hot second. Oh yeah. I used to listen well, to you, girl. Before I even knew you, <laughs> I, know. I listened to you. Well, when I interviewed you for the first time, I don't know if you remember this. I think I we talked about like, Cities we'd want to visit or oh, something, yeah. yeah. And you I only, re- questions. I only remember that because I was trying so hard to be like a radio person, and that is something you would totally talk about on the radio for like a minute, right? And not an hour long happy. Is hour. that what we talked about? We talked about it wow. for a, for a hot second.
1: That's hysterical. I'll have to go back and listen because I cannot even remember what I said. To okay, that.
2: I'm gonna introduce you, okay? And I'm gonna say nice things about you. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> Do you yes. like hearing nice things about yourself? Well, of like everybody all people. does. Yeah. I mean, it makes me a little uncomfortable, let's be real. Okay. I like it. I'm always like, okay, keep going. Yes. Um, okay, so this is what I want to say about you. And I think okay. I told you this recently, even, or I told someone is if gathering we just had we. Yeah. I don't work for y'all. <laughs> uh, almost. <laughs> people sometimes think I do. I bet you do. They think I work for if and they think I work so, for noonday. <laughs>
1: you're such a big part that yeah.
2: so uh if just had their seventh if Yeah. in February. Best one ever. It was. And I was telling someone that I've been a part of it since the very beginning. Um, in some capacity, I've been yeah. doing things with you guys. And someone said, well, how, what were you doing your show then? And I said, no, I did not have my podcast when you asked me to be a part of it. Yeah. And I look back on that mm. and it's one of those things in my life that I'll probably write about this or share this. And so I can just tell you this now. It's one of those things I look back and I think, I feel like somebody saw something mm. and they trusted And and I had a, a small part that first time, but there were like 800 people involved the first one, you know, and, but I look back and I think I had, there was no reason for me to be doing anything.
1: Isn't that mm. crazy? Yeah, I saw that in you, girl. I but, mean, let's be real. Well, I, listen-
2: I don't. I don't. I didn't say that for you to say anything no, back so to me. So give me my moment. My moment <laughs> is my um, moment. My moment is. I'm the guest. Thank um, you. No, really. Like, thank you. I love that. It's a. It's a huge part of my story when I look you. back.
1: And and I remember fighting for you. I remember we were at Susie Davis's house. Oh gosh, I'm Like, do you remember that? Oh, I, I don't and the I remember fighting for you to be a writer and to believe in yourself because you just. I think you felt like I have these certain gifts. I think you knew you had the gifts of communication and specifically hosting and all that, but I saw more than that. And I think your book, you it was planted in you and you knew you wanted to write, but I think there was just that, it felt like a chasm between that moment. And I just remember thinking, it's not a chasm. It's like a decision and a bunch of words. Was you just got to do it. Was
2: doc at Susie Davis's house pre-if? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Probably. I can't remember. We were probably. there. Well, we could probably. It if we had time, it's one we of the first times we ever had together. It was when Shauna released her book. Cause that's what we were there. Her bread and wine book. Okay. It, Susie made recipes from it. Yeah. We stood out on our dock. That's so fun. And you like, you were Jenny.
1: I that's was fiery. What, you were Jenny. I was passionate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I just, I believed in you and I could see it. And I think that's one thing gift God has given me is the gift to just see things. Like I can picture, I pictured if before if existed, like I could just picture it. And that's how I felt with you. I was like, I can just picture it. And look at you, girl.
2: Well, thank you. And it's only, yeah,
1: yeah. it's only just
2: beginning. Who did that for you? You know, I've got some pretty
1: crazy charismatic stories about this. So I, Beth Moore, um, I was in college and I went to a little event of her. She had just started and she spoke at a you know it was a few hundred people in a Baptist church in Morristown, Tennessee. Okay. And I lived there with SAC. We were finishing college. And I remember going to that event. I'd never heard of Bethmore. Yeah. And I just heard her preach. But I, I walked up to her afterwards, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't have done this with the Beth that no. this. Yeah. But but you know, in a little it was, event. Yeah. yeah. I walked up to her and I was like, listen I feel like I have the same passion you have. I feel like it in my bones. And she put both her hands on, I'll never forget it, both hands on my shoulders and looked me in the eyes and said, I affirm your calling and I want you to go learn your Bible. And I was like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. Like a general, like, yes, Yes. ma'am. And and really felt pretty committed to just learning my Bible. Now, I didn't know. I mean, at that point, she wasn't in public ministry. Public ministry wasn't a thing. What it is now, yeah. I just knew I felt called to talk about God and to teach my Bible. I didn't know, I didn't know what that would lead to because there was before that, you know, maybe Elizabeth Elliot. It was missionaries. Like there weren't a lot or of Kate female. Arthur would have been doing. Kate I mean, Arthur would have been on the scene, but hers was so specific in yeah, the way she taught yeah. precepts. Uh-huh. It wasn't like she was a writer and a speaker. Yeah. Or I didn't have that category of her yeah. then. And I'd never heard of her. I took a precepts class. You did? Uh-huh. I took like a precepts class too, actually. I can't cut camps. I yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I've, but there were people and it was, it was usually local people. The bravery for me to even say that to her came from being in high school and talking about God briefly. And a man actually in the room came up and said, you have the gift of teaching. So in I think. In high school. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think, I think starting at. Once I was saved, and that's why I think I was saved later. Even though I heard about God all my life, I really didn't weep over my sin and confess my sin until I was seventeen. So, and then I came home and immediately started teaching my Bible. And again, didn't have a context for that. You know the story. I, I taught Revelation. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, Revelation Yeah, I taught Revelation's first Bible study. Um, never would touch it again. But yeah, anyway, it's crazy. But I, I really believe that without people saying that to me. I was way too um weak and wimpy to step into my calling without people making it
2: pretty, pretty clear. Do you still have people that do that for you today?
1: Yeah. I, I I feel like now I'm a little um I'm a little brazen. Like I I really just there's almost like blinders on my eyes about things because you know how it is. I mean there's so much crud. Like I accidentally Googled something about myself the other day. Why? Jamie,
2: there is some crap out there. You just put there. your name or you put in a specific thing? I put in a
1: specific thing. It was about, it's like something about theology. Cause I wanted to see if I had ever oh, I posted a, what I've, my I've, theology
2: was. I've, I've, oh, I my know gosh. where you're was going like, with this. This is literally There's a site lies. that probably wrote about you. Oh.
1: We do not say it. i Yeah, but, but I'm like, where does this stuff come from? Because I'm, I mean, I work really hard on my theology. I'm, I went to seminary. Like I'm, you know, I, I consider myself a very, you know, strong theologian uh-huh. because I've done the work. And so anyway, that was a bad day. But I think what I've had to do is just put blinders on. And so good or bad, I just kind of feel like, you know what? I'm really just being obedient. I hope it's helpful. Um, And I'm trusting God to use it how he wants. Like there's, and I'm not saying there's not a a lot of people for me. I couldn't live without support and encouragement. I think we all have to have that. But I also, now I'm not coasting on that anymore. Now I'm really zeroed in on I'm going to be obedient yeah. as long as I'm yeah. alive. And again, that likely will look like small group Bible study again before we know it, yeah. right? There's yeah. not going to be, mm-hmm. there'll be a day that, that people don't want to publish books with me and, you know, I just, and I, I'm great. I'll go back to the local church and, and I'm already still in the local church, but you know what I'm saying?
2: It's, I think that's encouraging though, when you say like, the, you've gotten to a point where you know, this is my calling, this is yeah. my purpose, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. You don't need Beth anymore to say, I mean you know what I'm I saying? It's like, yeah, it's you, clear to me. Exactly. I'm, I'm called yeah. and I don't foresee
1: a time where I'll be confused about that
2: yeah. anymore. You know, there are a lot of people probably listening who feel kind of maybe what you felt in that church early. early on, Sure. you know, and there's this, a lot of questions that I get and I'm sure you do as well Is like, how do I know? Like, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? I feel like I'm supposed to do something. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Um, what do you say to those women? Oh well, you know I've written whole books about that
1: that topic. I mean, I think I think it's a huge issue. I think it was more of an issue ten years ago. I think women largely are stepping into their callings. I'm watching. What's it different? Happen. Um, I mean, probably all of us. You know, I think there's a lot more role models. So I think when when I think of our generation, which would be you know young forties. Yeah,
2: we're both young forties.
1: So. When I think of us, there's a lot of us. When Mm -hmm. I look ahead of us, there's not as many. And I think there's just, at least when it comes to Uh, spiritual gifts, public gifts, teaching, the Bible, leadership, and Christian ministry, all that kind of thing. I think there's a lot more um, pictures of what that could look like. And I think all of us do it differently, which is super exciting and encouraging, I think, to the next generation because it's going to look different for them. But I also think local churches have done a better job, and we've seen this consistently through If Gathering, of really seeking to utilize women. Now, I'm not saying they're doing it perfectly, and I'm not saying every you You're saying they're making progress. I absolutely think they're making progress. And I I think we need to really cheer that on and not you know, not live constantly frustrated because the truth is what we've got to realize as women is we have more opportunity than any, any
2: generation. generation before
1: us. Exactly. 100%. And so while we hope the needle moves further and mm-hmm. and there's certain times to advocate for that, we have a lot of opportunity. So let's mm-hmm. take the opportunity. This is what I've seen in my own life. I don't talk a lot about women's rights or roles or anything like that. I just do it. And I've seen God give me favor mm-hmm. among men. And I've seen... God, give me favor in the church. And so I think you just take the opportunity you're given, do a good job with it. It's not that we never speak up or advocate. It's just that largely, I think we're going to see the greatest headway um, just in service to our local churches. And
2: yeah, I think. I get super excited when I think about the next generation. Like you just mentioned, the people coming up from behind us. Uh, We're recording this while I'm in Fort Worth and we're both speaking tomorrow at a gathering that's for teen girls. It's going to be awesome. It's so awesome. And I've been thinking about this gathering a lot. And I love, I don't speak to a lot of this demographic, uh, not because I don't want to. It just hasn't been yeah. what's happened in my life. I am so excited for girls who are growing up right now. Oh my gosh! And I don't know if you have started. you have you know yes. a high school senior and a uh, eighth grader. eighth grader. So you're living this, yeah. and I'm I'm URT. on the cusp yeah. of it. I've got a sixth yeah. grade girl. Um, I I feel. Like I just gave myself goosebumps yep, in some I get them every time. I feel so excited for the that generation that's coming up. Ooh, let's talk about it. Because I've been, you know, I've been, and
1: I'm about to speak at four, di- on four different college campuses this, this spring. I've been speaking to a lot of college kids and I am telling you between 16 and 21 years old, what I see is not a fear. It is not a desire to hold back and insecurity. It is, I love Jesus. It's clear eyes, full heart. What is it? Clear yeah. eyes, full hearts, can't lose. can't lose. You know, I mean they that's how they are. It's Coach I, I, Taylor all over it, yeah. I just see it. They're confessing sin. They're repenting of it. They are bold about their faith. They're ta- they're learning their Bibles, they're talking about going overseas on a mission. Like they are fired up. And I'm talking about multitudes of of girls in that age group. They also are under. Greater attack
2: than I I've say, ever this is seen the crazy in a generation. Thing is that you're seeing this, but we're also looking at stats that are like Uh-oh. the most depressed, the most yes. suicidal, the most all the things.
1: Oh yeah, and I think the enemy is just coming wildly for them. I think that they're when they get free, they are the most dangerous people I know, and and those that that yet. You know, are yet to be free for whatever reason, um, they're fighting well. And I mean, we my, my my girls have friends that struggle with mental illness, that struggle with even suicidal thoughts and and different things. But I'm telling you that they're fighting it. They're not just victims to it all. Like they mm-hmm. are I don't know. there's a fervor in them that is so exciting, so exciting.
2: My daughter's in sixth grade, and she just came home for the first time and told me about a friend who told her she's had struggling with depression. As a sixth grader, mm-hmm. and she's oh yeah, she's vocally saying this, which is good. Yeah. Uh, but it was the first time where I went, okay, we're here, like we're here. This is happening. Yep. This is a reality. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's really scary. It's yeah. really scary. It is really scary. And you, you're tackling this right now with your most recent project, which yeah. is wonderful. Get out of your head, stopping the spiral of toxic thoughts. Um, one of the things that you say in there is, um, let me just read it for you right here. Is it says every toxic thought, every spiraling emotional cycle, every trap of the enemy we fall into, somehow deep down involves a wrong belief about yeah. God. Yeah. So that
1: really comes from my pastor, who is my online pastor, um, Tim Keller. Okay. So um,
2: <laughs> I love that you always call him your pastor.
1: Uh, yeah. He's definitely. Have you I ever mean, met he's in him? My ear more than. I met, oh my gosh. That's a great story. I met him one time um, in a room where I could have talked to him for more than one minute because it was a. Relatively small room, and I
2: you were too completely nervous.
1: froze. I completely froze. I had my chance, but it was so awkward. I, I think what myself protected myself from was that I knew it was about to go so haywire that it was like, It's nice to meet you. My name's Jenny. And that was and all that was I did. <laughs> and, and the funny thing was, I was with Priscilla Shire, uh-huh. and she was like, She had introduced me. She knew what a fan I was. Uh-huh. She's equally the uh-huh. same way. Yeah. And, and so she played it great. She was like winning and and warm you know and and then she's excited she's like and meet my friend jenny and i just she was like what is wrong with you you know you, you
2: lost your, <laughs> your
1: words yes <laughs> anyway um it was, yeah, it was not my best moment but anyway it's probably better cuz i probably would have cried and it would have been really ugly um but yeah so anyway he talks about that every sin this is his quote is something about every sin is rooted in something we don't believe about god which i just i mean because this is a book largely about toxic thoughts and lies I really, as I did the work, it was clear to me that what we believe about God is the greatest fight we have mm. against the lies we believe. There's not a better fight. And so, yes, when when we are believing lies, it's likely because we're not believing God.
2: In certain certain things about Him.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in my work. So I, I did a lot of Bible work. And then I did a lot of science
2: work. I'm so proud of you for that.
1: (laughs) It was actually so fun and interesting. Okay, I'm glad. Great reads. Uh Um, Definitely limited because most of them were self-help and not written by Christians. And so it was interesting because as a believer, it was so insightful and helpful um, to read all of this. However, it felt very limited because they kept coming back to the hope or the truth being in ourselves, deep in ourselves, right? So it's, we're awesome. You can do more than you could ever imagine. There was just a lot of self talk that was supposed which to pull you out short. of these lies, which I'm thinking I'm not that awesome. Like, that, exactly. I, don't, I don't really have, you know, it didn't settle with me. I would think it wouldn't settle with me, even as an unbeliever, because we all get angry at our kids in the morning mm-hmm. or we all, you know, there's definitely limits to our, Awesomeness. Yeah. And so to me, it was just feeding a lie with a lie, right? And so it was exciting to do the work in the science world and realize, okay, first of all, we can change our thoughts. This is this is not just true in the Bible. This is true in science, of course, because God built our brains. And so what the science is showing us in the last 20 years is that it's possible to to redirect, you know, years, decades of negative um thinking that has physically altered our brains. Right. There's a reason. There's chemical imbalance. And that's not something I'm saying you can will away mm-hmm. or think differently, and tomorrow you'll be out of that. But I know that thinking differently can help that. Mm-hmm. And so certainly there's a place for medicine, counseling, all of that. And the church needs to do a better job you know, you know, utilizing those tools, talking about those, t- sure. those tools. However, what I'm saying is biblical. Like, take every thought captive. Think about things that are true, lovely, noble Good. Think about those things, and it's going to change your life. And you know, know, let's go to Romans, where he says, "How you want to transform?" It's going to happen with the renewal of your mind. So, constantly, you see this theme of how we change. Romans um, eight talks about set your mind on the Spirit, Person of God, rather than the world. So, and, and life and peace is going to come. So, so we've got to take the Bible seriously. Now, that doesn't mean what we've acted like it meant in the past, which is just plastering, you know, this little verse on your window shield and thinking like, it's okay, I'm going to memorize this and, and now I'm not going to have anxiety. Uh-huh. Now I'm not going to have depression. That That's what we've been doing with it. We've been just trying to stick a Bible verse on it and saying, you know, what the scriptures say is it's a real pattern. It's a, it's a discipline. It's a training of our mind. It's a setting of our minds. It's taking thoughts captive. It's something that's regular and ongoing. It's not something that we just change in an instant. And I mm-hmm. think we've got to get better as practitioners talking about how do we train our minds the same way we talk about um you know how we train our bodies or our behaviors or all these things i think the church has done a better job of talking about
2: it is so hard because i'm sitting here thinking about this brain stuff and i believe it like i even think it on we're not going to go here but even with like trauma and all the things that can affect our brain like the right. scientists are saying oh, yeah. we can we can take this back how it was um i want to ask you this i've heard you say it publicly so i don't mind asking you um What started this journey for you? Yeah. Uh, Because this is what you're saying is like everyone's going, Yeah, I I know what Jenny's saying because I have struggled with my thoughts. There's no one that's listening to our voices that has not had this struggle. Right. That's what's like, this is so common. This is never going to change. We are broken people. Yep. But what started this for you? All right. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.
0: If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is,
2: I know you're loving this conversation because I loved it from when I was there, but I want to interrupt real quick to thank our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Dave's Killer Bread, which you guys, I love this bread so much. I have a question for you. Does your morning toast or bagel taste more like cardboard than bread? I sure hope not, guys. But if it does, then you have not tried America's number one organic bread, Dave's Killer Bread. It is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, protein, and killer taste and texture. It's not just good for you, my friends, but it tastes better than everything else. And I agree. Level up your bread game with Dave's Killer Bread, the best bread in the universe. Seriously, this bread is so delicious because it doesn't get soggy like other bread. And it has great flavor. I love that this is what my kids pack their lunches with every single day. I love a sandwich. I don't know if you knew that about me. I love a sandwich and Dave's Killer Bread toasted with mayonnaise and turkey and garlic salt is my jam, so good. Also in the morning, putting a piece of avocado over this is just the best bread ever. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. That's daveskillerbread.com. Today's show is brought to you by Third Love. Third Love. Designed with measurements from millions of women, 3rd Love's bra styles are made to fit your life. They have over 80 bra sizes, but know that the only one that matters, you guys, is yours. I've been wearing 3rd Love for a while now, and because I love it so much, because I've been wearing it for a while, I've kind of gotten rid of all those old ones. It's basically the only bra brand that I wear anymore. They're not only comfy, but their customer service is amazing. They want you to get the perfect bra for yourself. My favorite bra is the lace-back t-shirt bra, and I recently got the cotton wireless bra, which, let me tell you, this is a good thing. It didn't fit right. I had to send it back, and you know what? They're like, awesome. We'll help you out, which I love, and I also love that returns, like I said, they're easy and free, and if you return it because you don't love it after you have the 60 days to wear it and wash it and put it to the test, they're going to donate it to a woman in need. I love that about their company. Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners, that's you guys, 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash Jamie right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash Jamie, J-A-M-I-E for 15% off today.
1: It's interesting. So I look back and didn't realize what I was going through, but uh walked through a season of of doubt that was about 18 months long would wake up in the middle of the night and 3 a.m. regularly and and really fight and struggle with, is this even true? Like, am I preaching something that's not even true? And I began to ask these questions. Is God real? And does it go to black when we die? And um, And what that caused over— 18 months was a real deep fear of death to the point of having panic and not being able to watch movies about the, you know, and I mean, I'm not talking about horror movies. I never watched those anyway, but like Avengers, you know, it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like I was afraid of really scary movies. I was afraid of any, like where the superheroes died and vanished. Cause it was, that was my fear mm-hmm. is that I would just vanish and yeah. that we all would, and it meant nothing. And that just, that was so, paralyzing to me. And it became such a big, thick issue that I finally began to talk about it. But why I didn't talk about it for 18 months was that I just didn't think it was a big deal. And so I, I think I, what, what I know is that the devil wants to come for us in sneaky ways, that evil is going to come for us and you're not going to even notice. And that's what happened to me for so long. And so the passion for this project was realizing, oh my gosh, I've been under spiritual attack. The minute I said it out loud, after 18 months of literally every night. I don't think, I remember at some point in that process of being like, I don't think I've slept through a night in months. And when you
2: say not telling anyone, you didn't tell your husband Zach. He knew I I was up at night a lot, but I did
1: not tell him I was doubting my faith. No, I did not. I did not. This was just in Jenny's head for 18 months. And people assume it was because of shame, but I literally just don't think I gave it enough, enough, um, notice like i i don't even th- i just don't think i thought it was serious or a big deal it was just passing little thoughts and i think that's why this project is born out of so much passion for me because it did it was a big deal and i was under attack and i was literally in the dark with the devil and he was telling me whatever he wanted Jeez. and and so i i take it so seriously now and so when i approached the book it wasn't like oh let's think more positively mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. almost every book feels yeah. about that topic mm-hmm. it was we're war Like we are at war. And the enemy is he is a liar, John 8 says very clearly. Like Jesus spells out the enemy is a liar and he lies. Like that is what Jesus says in This is what he does. This is what he does. His definition. And so best way to lie is in our heads, in the dark, where there's no truth. And and I I really feel just so zealous and jealous for people now. Just Mm. Pulling them out of darkness. You look around, and you are right. Like mental illness is rampant, and and even if you wouldn't consider yourself diagnosable, you know, in the form of anxiety or depression, or bipolar or something else, you are looking. You can't, um, you know. I mean, let's just look at the science. Uh, we think nine thousand to sixty thousand thoughts a day. Eighty plus percent of those are negative. Ninety plus percent of those are repetitive from the day before. So we're looking at deep grooves, just neuro, neuro, um, in our neurochemistry that have been dug in our brains that are somewhat set feeling. It feels like it feels like, um, in negative tracks, largely about ourselves, our world and our God. So Mm. we, we are at war and and that's affecting everything. You cannot, you know, Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so he is. What a absolute statement. Yeah, (laughs) and scary. I mean, when we think about- That's how negative- Exactly, yeah. And so, so much of that negativity is truly believing lies, which how can you separate spiritual things out of it? And actually, if you look at 2 Corinthians 10, there's a verse that says, take every thought captive. Well, that verse, I've heard that all my life, Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And not paid it nearly enough heed, but not knowing how to, right? I mean, that was the overwhelming thing was take every thought captive. Well, I have 60,000 thoughts. Let's go. I'm on the high which end. Which one? Yeah, which yeah, one are you going to Yeah, which one? And so I think it was overwhelming. But but I think what we what we see is it's set in a passage about war. Um, Paul wrote that verse, and he said it in, a, in a, a chain of verses about our thought lives. And he says, you don't fight flesh— You don't fight spirit with flesh. You fight spirit with spirit. And then he says, we have been given divine weapons to destroy strongholds. So we've got these strongholds that can be destroyed, Scripture says. And how many people have strongholds? You know, especially mental strongholds. And so I think what what paul realized was we've got to go to war. We can't just think our way out of this. We can't just, you know, pray our way out of this. We have to go to war. And yes, it's going to involve prayer. For me, it was prayer and fasting. It was community, it was confession and repentance. It was discipline and training um and re, you know, rewiring my brain in the way I think. And all of that was the war. And I think what we've tried to do is just kind of plaster a verse on it and change our minds and it's not working.
2: Yeah. You know, even as you're talking, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about myself, you know, and I'm thinking, um, sure, I have some anxiety. Sure, I have some of this. Sure, I have some of this. But even when you like quote those scriptures, I'm like, I don't take those to be what they are. Like when take you take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like when you said the reason I didn't tell anyone because I didn't think it was that big of a deal, I'm even sitting here thinking, I don't think it's a big deal. Like the thought I have, like it just comes in and then it goes. But if that same thought comes in every single day and it goes and I don't fight it, the, go, I am not believing something about let's God. Let's go back to Jamie
1: Ivey, however many years ago. It's probably eight years ago. Let's go with eight years ago, we were on the dock yeah. with, with Susie Davis. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you some of the things you were saying because I vividly remember. Oh, it. awesome. You were saying words like- who am I to write a book? Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I can do that. I just I don't I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to do this work. You were diminishing yourself, which is a common lie that we constantly practice because we think it's about ourselves mm-hmm. when it's not. Sorry, I'm dogging yours no, eight was, years ago. That's great. But you decided, okay, I can either live paralyzed to that lie and never step out and never obey and never do the things God planned in, in me to do. And your book is so unique because I'm telling you the people that have picked that up that are not believers that have felt like, oh my gosh, I didn't know Christians struggled with these things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And they were separating themselves from God. I chills. They were separating themselves from God. I mean, I've heard stories. I've read stories about your that specific book. And people that came back to God or came to God for the first time because of it. And I'm just, that is what is happening. There's consequences that we can't see or imagine with little bitty. And those are common yep. things that all women yep. think, like diminishing ourselves, our mm-hmm. gifts, not sure we can do it, not sure we're you know qualified. We're not. I think that's the power of all of this is there are three lies that all humans believe. I am worthless. I'm helpless. I am unlovable. Those are the three. Like this from Psychiatry One Hundred and One. I didn't think of that. You That's, didn't come up with these. No, nope. like nope. in fact, human- I really disagreed with it at first. I was like, I don't I You're think like, there more has than to three. be more. Yeah. and so I did the work, and and those are the three. And I kept coming back to say one more time, Jenny. I am helpless. I am worthless. I am unlovable. Okay. Well, those three lies are absolutely terrifying. If those things are true, I mean. You oh, understand yeah. when somebody believes all those things, how it feels they like their the, lives. They're, like it's just, ah, there's nothing left to live it's for. It's Avengers. Um, the superheroes vanish yep, and yep. there's no and they're hope. they gone forever. Yep. yep. And, and yet what God does. So then what, what humans do, because those are human lies. Those aren't just unique to Christians. That's just everybody. Um, What humans do is they slap on, oh, I'm not worthless, but they don't really have a good case for it, right? And so what's powerful about the Bible, what's powerful about Jesus Christ, what's powerful about our faith is we actually have the answers to all three of those. Now, at their root, they are a little bit true, and all good Mm. lies are. All good lies are a little bit true. That's how the enemy worked in the garden. He gave them what? The knowledge of good and evil. It's exactly what he gave them. You know, God was holding out on them. Yes, he was holding Mm -hmm. out. He was holding out evil. Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, so that he used things that are just a little bit true, but completely full of ill intent, right? And so what's, what's true is, yes, I am a little helpless. I can't control if my kids, you know, make great decisions after they grow up. I can't control if I get cancer in my lifetime. I can't control um, all of my life. We all know that. Mm-hmm. We're a little yeah. bit helpless. Yeah. And so each of those just has a little bit of truth mm-hmm. to it. But then what God does is says, yeah, you were a sinner. Yeah, you were worthless, and lovable. all those things. You were dead in your sins. But, but Jesus, even in that, mm-hmm. I came for you. Mm-hmm. And for God so loved the world. So somehow, despite our sin and unlovability, we're loved. And so what I love about the gospel and and specifically as I did this work and held up the science to the Bible is the Bible did have all the answers. And and we do have hope and it is real and it's tangible and there is a way out. But the way out isn't self-help. The way out is Jesus Christ. And and no, it's not slapping on a verse, but it is warring together and living out the ways that He called us to live that's hard
2: yeah. and difficult. Yeah. Have you found um since diving into this and doing the work, have you found, let me ask, let me see how I want to ask this. I I don't want to ask if it's easier now. I want to ask if you believe it more. Like if you're like, it's both.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's both. Absolutely. And I'm not saying, I remember, um, a mentor of mine looking at me and saying, Jenny, after she read the book, she said, I just want you to know you're never going to fight that fight again. And it was so comforting to me because there's still, it was so dark, Jamie, that there were nights where I just, I literally was paralyzed. Like I felt like I don't want to live. And I'm not saying I'm a suicidal, but I'm just, I tasted despair mm. of not having God and hope and it go into black. And And it was so dark that when, in fact, after I wrote the book, those first few chapters that talk about it, and I edited it. I've only read it for the audiobook again. I'll never read those few chapters again. Because I just... It's too much. It was too dark. And it and it brings me back to just almost like a bad movie mm-hmm. where you're just... You don't want to see it again. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, so I went through that and I don't want to go back to it. Um, and so now where I am is just in this freedom of of you. I know the enemy will come for me again. And he will come in some way that I did not see coming. But in the ways that I see coming, I'm I am ready. going to be very passionate and strong against him. And I think my courage and my um, conviction and my belief and my authority, I mean, that's what I would say is the biggest thing I've walked away from that season with is just authority over the enemy. I mean, now if I wake up, I'm like, devil, like get Get away from me in the name of Jesus Christ. Like there's a lot more authority in me because of that. Which
2: I think even when you're saying that, I'm like, in the North American church, we I think we, I'm including myself in this in a lot of ways. I think we do not, see Satan for what he is. So that's been the interesting thing about this. Do you agree or disagree?
1: Well, because I I know, I I just don't think we think about it. Like, well, maybe that's what I mean is like, I don't think like, oh. I don't think we talk about it. I don't think we think about it. But if it's such a
2: real battle, like God says that it is, then it should be, we should acknowledge that this is happening. So C.S. Lewis said, um,
1: you know, don't think about the devil or or the problem with screw tape loaders. The problem with humans is like, get them to deny your existence or the, the devil's, you know, and the demon's existence or get them to like fixate and think about them too much. Too so much, yeah. I think it's just that
2: we've really, I don't know. I think it feels weird to talk about it. I mean, can you imagine? Well, it's like, okay, let's talk about that. There's a battle going on around us right now in this room. That does feel weird. It is weird. But and it's I true. Think, I think that's what was powerful in the book and we won't get
1: into it, but the story that preceded the, the Dark Season of Doubt was a really interesting, factual experience that just happened. It wasn't—like, I start the book with with definite warfare, but it's hard to argue with it because it just happened. It's that was not,
2: previous to your 18 months? Yes. It
1: was literally—I okay, I mean, I can that. almost mark it. Okay. I can I, almost mark that that happened and then the doubt came, So, which was crazy because what that experience— Caused, I mean, was a lot of faith because I was like, the devil overplayed his hand in that story, uh-huh, yeah. And I was like, well, this is real, and I'm going to save everybody.
2: Yeah, like, it was coming, real. not coming for me, yeah.
1: And so I do think that that um, that recognition and that you know, I, I do think that that was a gift because it kind of woke me up to, hey, this is all real and this is happening, and and if we're up against this, I think we better talk about it.
2: That's kind of what I'm saying. Is like it's a good thing to talk about it because. Yeah. If we just coast through life, thinking I—I I, I don't know—I'm just like, would we be that diligent and vigilant with for the gospel if we're not also acknowledging that someone is also diligent and vigilant against—is vigilant a word? I like it. Thank you. Against the gospel, you know what I'm saying? Like we're yes. fighting against someone who's. And I think that's him. why we haven't
1: taken our thought life ser- seriously. If if we really, you know, if we believe Second Corinthians 10 that we're not fighting flesh, is what. What Paul says, you're not fighting flesh flesh. and blood, yeah. So you're you're fighting spirit, yeah. And if we view it that way, then it's a little creepy. And some people have been like creeped out, like throw the book down. And I'm like, no, we are not creeped out because we are victors. Like we are not the battle is. I'm not afraid. No, like I have gone to war here, and I'm not afraid. And I'm not saying something bad isn't going to come because of this. I'm just saying God's not going to allow anything to come my way that He has not that has not been sifted through Him. So Mm -hmm. I I just I don't I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah. Um, we are, we, you know, who's afraid is them. Like yeah. that, that's, that, so I think that shift of, um, of fighting this head on and really speaking with authority to the lies we've been believing and not believing that we're victims mm-hmm. to these lies and to these yeah. thoughts. I think that if we treat it more like war, it's going to change
2: everything. Uh, can I ask you a question about yeah. um, talking about this? I think that there, some people might think like, okay, Jenny Allen seminary? Bible teacher, wrote a lot of books already. And she spent 18 months in the dark. My question for you is, was there ever any, like not now that the book's out, now that the book's out, you have this like, look guys, we've got something here. Like we're going to fight this together. Before this, was there ever any, I'd feel a little bit embarrassed to say this out loud.
1: So my editor, when she read the first, Half of the book, she called me and she said, I just I want to help you rethink this. <laughs> she was like, Do you want to say this? I was loud? like, I'm scared you're gonna look like a hypocrite. And I immediately I had no fear. I immediately said, No, I won't, because what I was holding on to is the same thing that day that I'm holding on to today, which is hope and evidence. Of things unseen. When I would preach on the stage, and eventually those thoughts moved from 3 a.m. to 3 p.m., right? Like they eventually moved into the daylight. And there were times I was preaching on stage wondering in the back of my head, is this even true? Mm. Um, And and of course, as that began to happen more and more, that's when I said it out loud because I realized, wow, this is really getting to me. Mm -hmm. And but I held even on those days. I preached with. I'm not a good faker. Like mm-hmm. one time in a Bible study video, the guys were like, "Let's reenact that thing." Mm-hmm. And at the end, they pulled me aside. and They're like, "Baby, you're you're not an actress. <laughs> like, like you really mean everything you say because because you're horrible." And I was like, "Okay." Um. So I'm not good at lying, uh-huh. and um, you're really straightforward, and I'm really straightforward, and person. I'll tell you whatever I'm struggling with. I'm really I'm really not a you yeah. know fake person, but. I and so I don't think I was fake then. I just was wrestling, mm-hmm. and I believe my faith was held in place that entire time. I think God let me feel like I was dangling, but I was dangling from a crane that was not going to come out of the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. I was sitting there hanging, and it felt like I was swinging around. Yeah. But He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I got Really you. Nothing, firmly planted. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not letting you go." Uh-huh. And so I think that's the power of um, the gospel is that my faith isn't holding myself in place, right? Like, yes, at some point we have to make a choice and Mm -hmm. we have to choose God. Mm -hmm. But at that point that we have trusted in the blood of Jesus, like we are sealed, it says, that we are kept, that there is a promise on our lives that cannot be thwarted because it's God's promise on our lives. So I really look back and go, I wasn't a hypocrite. Yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing but I also clearly was under attack. Yeah. And I think that's the louder message is there's a war and it came for me and it's coming for you it's coming for and us. keep your eyes open. Yeah. Because the interesting thing was I've never been more full of faith than after that experience. And again, you'll have to read it to see what the experience was. But after that experience, I've never been more full of faith when the enemy came for me. And I think where he came was, I know, where he came was on assignment of doubt because mm-hmm. that's the only thing that would have held me back. Yeah. Because once I kind of saw, oh my gosh, this is all real. Like we're not playing a game. This isn't myth. This is happening around us. I was just on fire. And I think there had to be That's I where just, it came. I think a screw tape. Yeah. And and I read that in the midst of this project. Yeah. And and it was like, yeah. I mean, what a great thing. Like, go to the the girl that's never been more sure of her mm-hmm. faith and, 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 and yeah. start to chip away at uh-huh.
2: it. Well, that story you're talking about is worth the price of the book, everybody. Like, it is <laughs> so crazy. good. I've heard you say it yeah. out loud with your voice. It's even better. Um, you know, I think that's really good because I think there is this lie that we can believe that if we wrestle with our faith, then our faith isn't real. And I think wrestling is beautiful. I really I think it I is. I hope people
1: feel permission to do that because he holds, right?
2: Yes, because you'll get yeah. to the end. And like you said, you'll find like, man, I am like... I'm I am a tree planted by streams of water. I am here. I am not moving. Like, even if though it has been like maybe dry or I have felt as though, where's my fruit in the season right now? Like God is so faithful to us and wrestling through our faith, I think brings out so much beauty in us because you get to the other side and go, I really believe this. Mm. Yeah. I think about my daughter,
1: Kate, who has it's been public about this, but everybody asks, why does she love God the way she does? And because she's 18 now and she's just on mission and on fire. Yeah, And I'm like, it's great parenting. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, No, it actually was a really dark night of the soul for her. And I think we can't be afraid of that for ourselves, but we also can't be afraid of that for our kids because- That's scary. Because watching her struggle with her faith to the point of, I'm not even sure I believe this. Mm -hmm. It's yours and dad's. I don't know if I believe it. Um, Going through a season of bullying and really dark, you know, not just doubt, but attack. I mean, Mm -hmm. just- it was it was a dark year for her two years really and i think um it's hard to watch but at the same time that wrestling is what produced great faith so yeah. I love what you're saying. Yeah. We, can't, we can't be afraid of it. Yeah.
2: It's so good. I think it can be scary, but it's so good. Uh, you talking here about community and I know that you you left us in Austin a few years ago and moved yourself on up to Dallas, mm-hmm. um, but you've had to kind of start over. Yeah. And I know that's one of the biggest things I hear from women as well is like, I just don't know how to find yes. good friends. And, you know, I, I'm actually talking about friendship tomorrow. So these teen girls, I'm so excited, but Ooh, I always thought, Friendship will be easy when I get older. And I have found it's harder. that it's harder. It's harder that it really is. um, and so just because our life and we have kids and we have this, and we have that, and then okay. it's harder. How have you had to adjust for that in the last two years? So,
1: you know, I think the 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 myth that that community just happens. I mean, that's what I constantly hear from everybody is just an excuse of why, they don't have it in their lives. And I'm like, you know, yes, I get all of those excuses to some, on some level, right? Like I get people that have betrayed me and rejected me. I get um, it it being, you know, having three young kids and not feeling like I can even get out of the house or dress, you know, more or less. And I get the season of um, a move and like having to literally start completely over. Like I get a lot of the barriers of why people don't have it. And I think, we have seen community as something optional. We have seen it as an addendum to our lives. Like, oh, let's start a separate club. It'd be so it great happens, to have friends, yeah. you know. And that's not how Scripture talks about it. Um, you you read books um, like back in the olden days, you know Diet- Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and you read um, the Cost of Discipleship, and then he writes another one called Life Together, and and these this idea that um, it's hard. And he builds a theology. I'm reading that book right now because this is actually my next project is on community. Um, But you read Dietrich Bonhoeffer on this. And he lived in a time, you know, in Nazi Germany. I mean, he had some barriers, you know, but he had such a high view of the requirement of it in his life that this isn't optional. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we've got to begin with is this isn't like Instagram pictures at supper club. This This is War Buddies. Life. This is war buddies, people that, that know everything, people mm-hmm. that you confess to, people that fight for you, people that, that when you are going through that season of doubt, like, I mean, and you would have done this too for me if, if we would have been together on mm-hmm. a trip, which we yeah. have been on some, but, yeah. but this time I was in Uganda with Anne and Esther and they were like, oh, we're, we're going to yeah. war. We are going to fast and we are going to pray. And, and all of that is, is what we need to live out this life in the way God called us to live it out. All of us will be under attack. All of us will walk through circumstances that are unimaginable. Unimagin- we need people. But on a given Tuesday, you know, are we willing to drive across town for it? Yeah. Are we willing to be vulnerable and be rejected? Are we willing to, um, you know, start something in our home and bring our neighbors together, which you've done mm-hmm. and found great, yeah. great life in. Love it. Yeah. So I, I think that's the cost, but it's not cost. Like as I'm reading. Bonhoeffer, in Nazi Germany. Am <laughs> right. I it's not?
2: Class like Hello, we that. got yeah, it. Come on, we got, yeah, we could do this. We can do this. Um, I, I'm hundred percent believe that. I, I, I always think like I'm going to get to the end of this world because of the gospel and the Holy Spirit, and because of community and God's word. Like this is what's going to get us there. People are going to help. Um, Jenny, I love, I love this project that you did. I think it is, it's timely. I think it's important. I think that you write it from a place of walked through the mud and the dirt and fought it out. And so, uh, thank you for your words. Thank you for, thank you for, for leading women and for just really just saying, Hey, let's do this together. You know, I'm not like, I don't have this all figured out. Let's do it together. And so thank you for that. I always close the show with three things you're loving. What are you reading? Today's, what are you loving? And what are you reading? Is brought to you by Oniko 2087. Book your next getaway to the stunning white beaches of Riviera Maya and immerse yourself in a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Onico 2087 Hotel Riviera Maya is the aspirational adults-only all-inclusive hotel situated south of Playa del Carmen. Discover and embrace contemporary Mexico face-to-face and share in a passion for the region defined by relaxed luxury and cultural immersion. Dining at Oniko 2087 is a multi-sensory adventure. While locally sourced ingredients are a staple at every restaurant and bar, the offerings are a diverse mix of international flavors. The energy shifts as the evening darkens to night with live performances, late night snacks, and one-of-a-kind programming. Exciting pop-up events include cooking classes, mixology classes, salsa lessons, and more. Each of their three pools offer poolside food and drink service, as well as cabanas that can be booked in advance. They also offer personal training sessions, meditation and yoga, beachfront classes, and state-of-the-art gym. Visit OnikoHotelRivieramaya.com or contact your preferred travel professional.
0: If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is,
1: I don't want my problems to burden anyone. I mean, you want to know what's changed my life recently is dry shampoo. I know everybody out there listening is like, I've been using that for years. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know. I just couldn't find one I liked. Anyway, I found one I liked. It's way too expensive, but it works and I love it. And it's changed my life. I shower less. It's I it's love dry great, shampoo. It is a great, I know that's such a cheesy thing no, to say. No, it's not. Um, what's the brand? But it really has. So a dry bar, it's so expensive. Oh, I love y'all. dry bar. It's like what I asked for for Christmas, my birthday, everything, just, just because, Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Um, I do wonder if I'm going to die of lung cancer. Well, you know, <laughs>
2: something's going to take us out. <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So the other thing I love right now is um, we moved to this 90 year old house when we moved to Dallas and it is. Um, that house is 90 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Can you it's so stinking cute. I know the people before us like made it. It not like, look 90 years yeah. old, but it's 90 years old. Okay. And it had one bathroom upstairs. And so they put our master bath in a little closet. So it doesn't have any bathtubs. And I am a bath girl. I know
2: this about you. And
1: so my husband, when we moved in, I was like, but I love the house. And I, I mean, it's a great house. Yeah. I'm not complaining, except about the bathtub. But but anyway, Zach was, Zach was resourceful. He was like, you know what, baby? We can't afford to, to get a bathroom remodeled right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to buy a hot tub. Now, we're not going to buy a hot tub <laughs> at the hot tub store. No, because that'd be too expensive and that'd be silly. We're going to buy it at Facebook Marketplace <laughs> and we're going to buy a used freaking hot tub. So yeah, they um, that's in our backyard. And Do you sit in it every day? I would every day, except right now it's broken. And the reason I say it's one of the things I love the most is because every single day, I'm like, Zach, is the part in. Like there's something, of course it's broken. Yeah, we yeah, gotta, yeah. you got on Mer- Facebook Mer- Marketplace. Marketplace, yeah. But- I, it will get fixed. And it is one of my favorite things in life. And the reason I, other reason I love it is because all my teenagers get in without their phones, And so we'll so sit out there great. and talk. It really is awesome. I'm so, not telling her we need a hot tub, yeah. And then three, I like my daughter. I'm going to go with her because she's about to go to college. And she's eighteen. And, like, we are just having, we are living it up. Like we are just sushi going. Like, I mean, I have just, she's a seven and I'm a seven. Now everybody worries about my other daughter, Caroline. My daughter, my other daughter, Caroline, is Wait, like. why do they worry? They think I talk about Kate too much oh. and all that. Well, the other daughter won't let me talk about her, but she's the most secure human you've ever met. And, and said- if you were to ask her who is mom's favorite, she would say her because she is literally my little mini me. We go everywhere together. She is. So I'm not dogging her. She just doesn't let me talk about her and post about her as much. Um, but the one going to college, we always call it their year, you uh-huh. know, like they're going to get all the attention yeah, and you're going to get it when you're that uh-huh. age. And it's coming around. So anyway,
2: yeah. she's a highlight right she, now. She, I, when we were, Jane and I were in Yosemite in November together, uh, with our friend Jackie filming a Bible study and Kate was there and there were a lot of highlights on that trip. And Kate's really at the top for me. I know. I yeah. loved getting together. Everybody, know her. everybody likes her. She's fun. She is she's, she's fun, fun and she's just she cracks me up because she's like, I, I I need to go to school, but I'm having a hard time going to school. Oh, and tell she got into college, it. so praise the Lord, right? But we still have to graduate. <laughs> and y'all, it is touch and go. It is touch and go. And of
1: course, I'm not helping at all. I'm like, just fail, and then you'll be here next year. Yeah, <laughs> and then we
2: can just go hang out all the time. All the time. But there is something could you said that you've already sent one off, and our oldest is a sophomore, and we don't like him or love him anymore. Well, we might like him more sometimes. As they get older, Erin and I feel this is our they sweet spot. And so I can spend, I can hang out with Caden Ivy all day long. And I know, and you can probably tell me this is true. I'll feel that way about my others when they get here as well.
1: I hope so. And think
2: so. I know you're supposed to say, yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, I think there's different temperaments, but I do think I, they both of all my kids, I was driven more crazy by the two of them than I am by mother too. So I think they surprised me the most okay, I like that, that I like them so much. Goodness. Because in middle school, yes, I literally had to turn in my parenting card yeah. for Connor. I went to Zach and I said, <laughs> here is my motherhood card for him. I am quitting.
2: This gives me such good I'm news, quitting. Jenny. You're
1: you're gonna father, uh-huh. but I'm no longer mothering <laughs> because he got bigger than me and he was such a little punk. Oh my And gosh. I was like, I, now,
2: oh my gosh, that
1: kid, he is the best manners, the biggest mama's boy, he's so sweet. But when he was 13, I thought, I'm this is God. what I
2: have to remember because it's just their drama and they're tired and their emotions and they don't know what's happening and I'm like hormonal. <gasps> it's hormonal. It's yes, it's a thing. So yeah. all of you, middle school, I can say, and Jenny can say, high school. We, I, I, I really like high school right now. Better. So yeah, uh, Jenny Allen, thank you. Yeah, thanks such a joy me, to sit down with you and see you. So thanks for coming on. You guys, I hope you loved this conversation with Jenny as much as I loved it. Uh, I love Jenny personally as a friend, and I also love her and the way that she is cheering on women all around her. I'm encouraged by her love and passion for all of us to be ready in this battle for our minds. We do not fight this battle alone, and God has given us everything we need to get rid of our negative thought patterns, anxiety, including fears, and power to confront and overcome these lies from the enemy. Community matters in this battle. We talk about that. My prayer is that we would be sources of truth to our friends when they share the negative thoughts and anxieties plaguing them. I wanna tell you how this is true. The day after we recorded this, Jenny and I were both speaking at Therefore Gathering and I saw her in the green room and I told her about something that had happened the night before. And instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm gonna pray for you about this. She said, I wanna pray for you right now. That is the kind of community is that she pointed me to the truth right then when negative thoughts and anxieties were plaguing me. When we take every thought captive, reclaiming our thinking away from the enemy, we are set free. When we do that, the world around us has changed and those others are also freed from the lies. Guys, I encourage you to grab Jenny's book. It's called Get Out of Your Head. You can get it wherever books are sold. Remember, at jamieivy.com slash happy hour are all the links for anything we talked about today and they're all available for you to go get them because I know sometimes you're listening you think, what did they say? I want to know. I got you covered, girlfriend. Go to jamieivy.com slash happy hour. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Joe Saxton. She's also an oldie from the show. She's been here before. She joins me back on the happy hour to chat about the role of women and how women show up leading in their everyday life circumstances, stepping into their purpose all along. If you've ever asked, what am I here for? Do I have a purpose? And who hasn't asked this? Like today in their life, you're going to be so encouraged by what Joe shares. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. Oh, and I want to tell you one more thing, one more thing. My daughter, Story, and I are heading to Lancaster, Pennsylvania tomorrow for the live premiere of Queen Esther at the Sight and Sounds Theater. We're going to experience one of the most riveting Bible stories of, of the Old Testament as it comes to life with magnificent sets, special effects, and live animals, Guys, do not worry. We're going to be sharing our time over on Instagram. Make sure you're following me because everyone loves Story Ivy on the stories. We're going to be there. There's surely going to be lots of fun red carpet moments with my daughter's story. She's such a joy. You guys, thanks for listening. I'll see you back here next week.
0: If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay.